Hello, hello, and welcome to the 114th episode of the Mostly Soccer Podcast. Today is Monday, June 22nd at 6.42 p.m. sharp. My name is Michael J. Dalo, and I'm here with Jimmy. Jimmy what today? I'm Jimmy Heatwave. Jimmy. we got the heat wave coming in, summer's here, and the Premier League is back, and I am, I'm a stat, ecstatic, 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 all three of them. You are hot for the Premier League, that's how I took that. I like that, I like that, that's a good way to put it. And I am ice cold for the Premier League, I wish it never happened. You are uh, a I broken wish, man. I wish we could go back in time to simpler times where we were all quarantined, no soccer was being played. Uh <laughs> Maybe the happiest I've ever been. <laughs> <laughs> Being an Arsenal fan is not easy. Uh, but, Jimmy, I'm glad that we're podcasting. I have a lot that I need to get off my chest after the week and a half that I've faced being an Arsenal fan. Uh, yeah. Complete misery, sadness. And uh, I think we're in for a good one today, or at least I, I hope so. I hope so. And I want to say, I think we did everyone, especially you, a favor and chose not to podcast after the City Arsenal game on uh, last Wednesday. I don't think you would have been in a good headspace to do it. Jimmy, I didn't even want to watch the game. I didn't finish the game. <laughs> you did. I you couldn't. walked away. We will get to that. You, the man walked away. He couldn't take it anymore. I couldn't. Um, but anyways... We have a lot of Premier League action to get to. We're going to talk about City, Arsenal, uh, all the other teams. Uh, we're going to get into last week's action and this weekend's action and give predictions on the games upcoming, answer Twitter questions. But before we do any of that, uh, we had some different international news that we wanted to talk about. Yes. Um, so, Jimmy, I'll let you take it away. I'll run with it, and we'll first we'll say congratulations to Bayern Munich on your 566 consecutive Bundesliga title. Um, In the least shocking and surprising news, Bayern have won the league. Uh, I think we had all hoped when the Bundesliga came back there was a chance that Dortmund or Leipzig or Mattenglubach or anyone could have found a way to push Bayern, but Bayern have done it again. And quite, and I do want to say it has been impressive the turnaround they've had under Hansi Fleck. It's completely changed the team after they were really struggling with Nico Kovac. So you have to give credit there, but it's at this point it's what Bayern do. They start the season slow, they get rid of the manager that they don't really like, and then they turn it around and win. I mean, when you have that much quality, it's difficult not to win. Um, and Dortmund continuously it feels like year after year it feels like they're right there they have a chance and then they just blow it when they play against Bayern and um, can't pull through and no other team in the Bundesliga is really challenging all that much I know teams aren't far behind Dortmund but no one really puts the pressure on Bayern except for them and they never are able to pull through it feels like yep and they'll just add uh, Leroy Sané to that mix as yeah. it looks like it's almost a sure thing now that he will be joining them this summer. Scary stuff. <laughs> uh, and speaking of Germans, we said that Timo Werner was probably going to Chelsea last week. And yes. uh, since then, it's become official, signing for Chelsea. And perhaps an even scarier news, uh, Kai Havertz potentially also going to Chelsea. Uh, as I, I think you're jumping the gun on that a little bit. 
I mean, you don't accidentally favorite a tweet that says, <laughs> announce Chelsea if you're Kai Havertz. I mean, we'll see. it doesn't happen. We'll see. I'm not ready to get to that point yet. I will say scary just to think of. Um, and we'll get to Chelsea in this episode. I want to talk about their game a bit. Uh, to continue with, you know, I, I mean, for Leipzig, it's a big, it's a big loss to lose Werner. I mean, we knew it was happening. I think a lot of people are surprised that it ended up being Chelsea in the end. But I think we're seeing an angry Chelsea. You know, it's been out of the transfer market for a year. Now they've already pulled off Timo Werner. They've pulled off Hakim Zayic. They, you know, and they, they, they're not done. I, I don't think they're done. Whether it's is Kai Havertz, whether it's Ben Chilwell, it's I think whether it's Jaden Sancho, I think that they're going to continue to make moves. Chelsea is becoming more terrifying as the weeks go on, uh, and I don't want this to become a reality where they have all the German players that I want Arsenal to sign. <laughs> and it looks it looks like it's slowly happening. And they already got Zayic, who was supposed to be, um, you know, the Mezzodozo good replacement. Yeah. Yeah. So, not Uh, ideal. Yeah. And and on other international news, we have Barcelona slip up this week, which has given Real Madrid top spot currently in La Liga, which is, uh, if you if you remember that it is, um, it's uh, how do they how do you phrase it, Michael? Like when you based off of when teams play each other is a tiebreaker. In La Liga, um, I don't know what the word is. But head the to point head. Being, it's not head to head. Thank you. That's what I'm looking for. It's not goal differential because the goal differential would actually see Barcelona still as a favorable goal differential over Real Madrid. But currently, Real Madrid holds the lead in La Liga, which would be uh, pretty impressive if they can pull this off after the start to the year that they, you know, really, weren't really firing on all cylinders and they've had a lot of injury problems throughout the year. So I think we're gonna have a nice title race in La Liga, which is exciting to see. Yeah. Especially because we don't really have that many in other leagues. Um, we kind of have one in Syria, but I, I um, in my opinion, I can't imagine Juventus is going to relinquish their lead. Uh, I realize that you know Lazio have a game in hand and could make it only a one point lead, but I, I still think in the end Juventus will pull that one away. So I think La Liga is the real toss up that we have left. Yeah, uh, it's going to be interesting to see. I, I looked yesterday to see if Barcelona and Real Madrid play each other again, and they don't. So that's a little bit disappointing. But um, like you said, it, it'll be interesting. I don't think Barcelona is well coached at all. Um, and I think that's been their downfall all season. Plus, their defense has become a little bit suspect at times. So mm-hmm. I wouldn't be surprised if Real Madrid sneak in and hold that first place spot and win the title. But uh, I think maybe the last bit of international news that we missed over the past week or so is that Napoli beat out Juventus in the Coppa Italia. Correct. And um, it was done on penalties. There was no extra time due to COVID, uh, fitness concerns for the players. So perhaps a little bit fortunate for Napoli that they didn't have to play an extra time. But nevertheless, Sari loses his first trophy as Juventus manager. Terrible manager, by the way. <laughs> Terrible. You 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 hate Sari. You're very sorry. Not good at his job. Uh and we'll probably give up the Serie A title for the first time in a very long time. I'd put my money on that. That 
Juventus don't win because Sarri is such a bad coach. Wow, that's bold. <laughs> that's bold. I, I don't know if I'm ready to go there. I don't. I don't. I do think Sarri is a little out of its depth at uh, Juventus. I will say that. But we shall see. Uh, the last bit of there is one more bit is just that the Champions League looks set to return. We're gonna get the Champions League summer tournament of terror in Lisbon, and uh, I am very excited for this. Single round elimination, quarterfinals, semifinals, obviously in the final. Uh, the only little like hiccup is that there still are eight rounds of sixteen fixtures that need to be completed, and there is some work that needs to be done to see where these games are going to be played, if they're going to be played in the stadiums that they should be. Um, which I think they need to be. It would seem really unfair to me if the first leg was played, you know, at one stadium, one team's home, and then the other one ends up being in a neutral round. I don't think that would be fair. Yeah. I mean, we talked about it before, so I don't want to beat it to death, but it's going to be difficult to have these players travel from country to country. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, although it's unfortunate that they'll probably have to play to neutral ground for the second leg at this point, I think we can just be happy that they're playing. And for your case, I think you can be satisfied that Manchester City have two away goals over Real Madrid. So I don't know if home field advantage well, will be that. Yeah, big. I mean, who knows if the away goals remain. I, it's it's very tricky. We'll see what happens. I don't want to talk on it until we know for sure what's happening. But I just, I would be, I will be very happy if we can kind of get this tournament, though. I'm excited. And it's going to be within a two-week period, I believe. Yeah. So it will be really exciting to see. In single-game eliminations, Atletico Madrid, Jimmy. Don't sleep on Atletico Madrid. That's all I'll say about this. Never sleep on them. But uh, I think it's time that we get into the meat of the show, Jimmy. It's time for some Premier League action. And I think where we want to start first, get the bad news out of the way first, is uh, Manchester City 5-0 over Burnley. Uh, Manchester City crush Burnley and I'll let you talk about that in a moment but I think we just need to unfortunately address the incident at the beginning of the game which was a plane flying over with a white lives matter uh, Burnley sign attached to it and just another example of extremely disappointing Uh, we have still so much work to do as a society and credit to the players uh at Burnley, especially Ben Mee, who spoke out about mm-hmm. the issue after the game mm-hmm. and did it very well. Um, but just disheartening to see. But I think the players for Burnley handled it well on the field. It looked like at the beginning of the game, they were pointing up to the sky, trying to get the yep. best attention, almost trying to stop the game, it looked like. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, yeah, and I, I completely agree with you there. I mean, it, it it's... To say it's unfortunate is um, is an understatement. Yeah, it's just the amount of stupidity and just hatred that people have in their hearts just saddens me every day. I think a little more, um, and it just really um, it's sad that we have to see it during this game. But I think you know almost in some ways I see people say like you almost don't want to talk about it because you don't want to give these morons the the spotlight that they want because they do this wanting people to talk about it yeah you know what i mean that's the reason they're doing it but at the same time you need to be clear and just say that 
this is not going to be tolerated anymore. Yeah. Like this type of behavior, this ignorance, just people really need to get outside of their bubbles, educate themselves, understand what is going on, what things mean. And until we get to that point, it's just, uh, it's just depressing. But yeah. I mean, we're going to we, keep yeah, seeing go. stuff like this. Mm -hmm. I mean, it's not going to end. Unfortunately, probably in our lifetime, we're going to have to um, live with this stuff going on. And, and it's super sad to see. But I, I mean, I think a good example of complete fucking ignorance is if you look at Burnley's Twitter post, basically their statement immediately after this happened at halftime. And credit to them, I thought they did a fair job. Uh, they came out, they condemned the actions of whoever did this, said that they would get lifetime bans. Um, I mean, kind of the best you can do in the moment, I think, from Burnley. So good job to them. But if you go in the comment section, I mean, uh, did we need another reason to hate Burnley? <laughs> Jesus Christ. The people in that comment section, it's just the epitome of why the Black Lives Matter movement is happening because these people just don't understand anything. The people are so it's ignorant. ignorant. Ugh, it's, it's disgusting and it's upsetting. And uh, I mean, a silver lining to all of this is just that city absolutely spanked them. So, and we can get into the game, but just the last thing with that is so as we see now, these people are out in the open now. These are the things that people certain people used to think and they had this hatred this evilness inside them but they'd keep it to themselves so they're small little circles now they're out in the open and it's it's really disgusting to see but at the same time now that they're there we know who these people are they're not hiding anymore cut these people out of your lives don't associate with these people don't you know what i mean choose to purposely avoid them don't give in to them don't start the, the fights they want you to start with them. Just don't give them the attention. Pretend they don't. Don't pretend they don't exist because we have to be. That's not good enough anymore. We have to, you know, we have to do actions against. And the Premier League's trying to do that with what we've seen with the jerseys, with what we've seen with the knees before the games. We have to be uh, an active participant in stopping these issues in the world. But at the same time, we can choose to cut these people out of our lives. So let's try to do that. And I, I could not have been happier to see City smack down this team. And it's not necessarily fair to the Burnley players, but I'm just happy that those Burnley fans are probably upset <laughs> with how their team got absolutely obliterated on the field. Yeah. So, I mean, just just from what I saw from this game, Phil Foden, I know you praise Phil Foden day in and day out. <laughs> he is, uh, he's like your Saka, essentially. Yes. Um, <laughs> But wow, what a performance from him. What potential he has. And I, I think potential is almost mean to him because he's already so, so talented, so uh, well put in that city team, I think, that next year is going to be his year without David Silva there. So, I mean, potential, it's just it's talent now at this point. He's, yeah. he's fulfilling the potential. Yeah, I mean, I like you said, I've hyped him up to you for so long. And I think today you finally get to see why. Just the, the type of player he is at not even that age, but at any age to have that technical ability, the way he sees the field, his his movement on the ball, 
his he's I mean he's got a shot on him too. He's got a pass. We saw the, the no look pass. I mean he basically he scored two goals today. One nice goal from outside the box off the set piece, and then the second one after beautiful movement and unselfish play by City. Um, but he also created the the quote unquote penalty. Uh, he had the ball into Aguero on that, and then he also had the beautiful no look pass to Bernardo Silva, which set up uh, one of the Mara's goals. Um, no, set up the David Silva goal, excuse me. And just he is a an exceptional player. He the sky is the limit for him. Mm-hmm. I really do hope he can. I hope he can step right into the David Silva role and really develop because he he can be a truly truly special player. Yeah, and I mean. When you watch Arsenal week in and week out, you see the lack of players with that ability. You see that it's not something that you should take for granted when a player can move like Phil Foden, can pick out a pass like him, uh, is quick like him. So I I think City have someone really special there. And I think Pep knows that. And Mm -hmm. credit to Phil Foden for being so patient with that City team and and just waiting for his chances. And I think we're going to see a lot more of him coming up in the near future. But, uh, well said. And I mean, I think that goes for Eric Garcia as well. So these are the two youngsters that like every City fan's been screaming, we need to see him play, we need to see him play. And after the uh, after the imposed coronavirus break, we've seen both of them start games now. I, I'm guessing Garcia probably would have been involved in this game if it wasn't for his uh, injury <laughs> suffered in the Arsenal game. Uh, <laughs> if he didn't get knocked the fuck yeah, out. Yeah. So, I mean, these are two really exciting young players. And this is the thing, I, I think this with all players, because I think this with, when you mentioned Saka, I think of this with Mason Green, what you're seeing at United is these young players at these top teams, a lot of times people look at them saying, oh, they need to go out on loan. They need to move away. They need to go somewhere they're going to play. And, and it's some part of me agrees with that, because I do think getting minutes in games is the most important. But at the same time, when you have these very talented teams and these youngsters break in, and continue to play just shows you how talented that player is and how hard they're working, that they're holding out players. But, I mean, Foden started on the wing in this game over Raheem Sterling and Leroy Sané. Like, that that's who he kept out in this game by starting there. So, you know you're earning it when they're playing that. Yeah. Yeah, and um, Rihad Mahrez, what a game from him. I mean, just making people look silly all over the field. Yeah. Uh, when he's on his game, Riyad Mahrez is just a wonder to watch. Uh, he he is a very fun player. That's yeah. the thing. When you watch, he's like he's a YouTube highlight player. <laughs> he's like just built for those clips with you know with the terrible, the terrible music playing and just <laughs> all the cuts in and out. And then it, it just it, he he fits that perfectly. He does. He, he made a few people look silly today for Burnley. Um. And he scored a penalty, something that City don't do very often. Yes. Uh, granted, they've scored both in their back-to-back attempts since the restart. Yeah, maybe they were practicing. Uh, <laughs> only downside of the game was that Sergio Aguero went off injured and, according to Pep, uh, may be done for the season. We'll see. Uh, early prognosis on that, though. Yeah, that would stink if you were to miss out on the Champions League. Mm-hmm. Uh, but anyways, Jimmy, staying on the topic of City... They also played another game this week, and uh, they won 3 nothing, and that was against Arsenal. That was the second game of the restart, uh, the mostly soccer derby, the game that I don't want to talk about, <laughs> the game that I couldn't finish watching. 
So let's talk about it, Jimmy. And, and I think we need to begin uh, with injuries. Yes. <laughs> and boy, Arsenal, these this past week has been ravaged by injuries. Uh, and to players that are so central to what the team does. The team doesn't do many things well. Um, but Granit Xhaka... The player who earlier in the season I was wishing would go away uh, now has become uh, a heartbeat of this team under Arteta. And four minutes into the game, maybe even less than that, he goes down injured. Uh, A non-contact injury, I think it was, and he looked like he sprained or broke his ankle. So he'll be out for some time. And shortly after that, we had Pablo Marie on his debut for Arsenal. He went down injured, um, and it looks like he's going to be out for the rest of the season as well. So who knows if Arsenal are going to ever play him again. Uh, he's on loan till the end of this season. So the rumor is they're looking to sign him permanently, but who knows. Um, so two very bad injuries in positions where we have almost no backup uh, to start off this game. And then uh, the turning point, really, of the game was the Pablo Marie injury, right? Because that brought on dun, dun, dun. David Luiz, who, when he came on, I turned to Jimmy and I said, <laughs> I just love David Luiz for some reason. <laughs> and you said, you said he is horrible or he is just fine. <laughs> I think that's the perfect way to describe it. I think coming into this game, we all knew why David Luiz was on the bench. Uh, his contract's running out. At that point, he had two weeks left on his contract. Doesn't look like Arsenal are looking to sign him back, uh, or at least they're not meeting what David Luiz wants. David Luiz doesn't play exceptionally well against any team that is good, uh, like <laughs> Manchester City, like Chelsea, who he struggled against earlier this year, like any decent team. Uh, and sure enough, he didn't take long to impose himself. Oh, on- God. And, oh, my God, Arsenal, they did their best. They held off City for 45 minutes. Bern Leno played his German heart out. Yep. Bern Leno, perhaps perhaps I'm being biased, second best or best shot-stopping goalie in the Premier League. Um, my God, what a player he has been for Arsenal. And uh, saved us this entire first half. But David Luiz undid everything Arsenal did well this first half. A, a basically nothing ball comes back yeah. to the defense, bounces right off his thigh. Raheem Sterling picks it up and smashes it home. Yeah, he smashed it after Sterling had previously gone for the chip that in a similar position that did not work out. This time, goes with power, puts it past Bern Leno. After De Bruyne trying to pull one of his pad to the, the deep balls that just should not happen, and mm-hmm. it didn't. It wasn't going to happen. It should have been an easy clearance, but David Luiz, I don't know what he did. Kind of like half jumped it, kneed it, died it, and it, it, it just lands to Sterling, and it's an easy finish. And at that point, you were disheartened. And little did you know that at the beginning of the second half, it was just going to get far worse. <laughs> that, was, that was the light stuff. Before yeah. halftime, was, the game was going easy on me. But David Luiz... Like, 
that's something that we do when we go to the field. Like someone sends in a long ball and we just like it bounces weird and we don't get it. David Louise, you're a fucking professional. What are you doing? Even <laughs> if you don't want to play this game, you have 14 days left on your contract. Don't you have some damn dignity? I mean, <laughs> I don't even know how to describe what happened there. But it was one of the most infuriating things I've ever seen. Or so I thought. Start the second half. David Louise does what David Louise does best. He gets toasted. Who toasted him, Jimmy? Was it Aguero? No, Jesus. Yeah, I believe so. It's well, it's Riyad Mars who he fouls in the end. Oh, I, I don't so, know. It's it's Mars off of a assist. Well, would have been an assist from Ederson actually. Oh. Uh, and Riyad Mars doing what he does is very difficult on the ball. David Louise doing what he does decides to just pull him down. Just straight pull him. Try it three per- times. And perhaps the laziest move of all time. Uh, David Luiz, basically, you can just see it on his face that he doesn't care. And he just like rips him down by the shirt in the box. Uh, denial of a clear goal-scoring opportunity. Gets straight red, sent off. And uh, that was David Luiz's cameo. He was on the field for about 25 minutes uh, and gave up two goals all by his lonesome. Yep. I Kevin mean... Bruyne puts the penalty away. And the game was over and Michael was done. <laughs> like, I don't I don't know what to say. And I don't know how to even speak about David Luiz because he's already dead, right? He shouldn't be signing back for Arsenal next year. We knew coming in that David Luiz was David Luiz. This is what he does. You see five good games from him. You see three equally awful games. Um, he's just, in his old age become a player that you can't trust at all and arsenal's center back situation is so bad that he's probably the best center back on the team even (laughs) still being as bad as he is and um i i mean when he was brought on i said to you i was like i I love david louise because i love the grit of david louise i love the leadership that he brings i love that he is from all accounts like a great guy to have in the locker room Mm-hmm. And he just seems like a genuinely good guy. I mean, yeah, I, we had this discussion earlier in the year when I was talking about Jaka, like uh, how you feel like you get to know some of these players on Instagram for some reason. Mm-hmm. And, uh, David Luiz just seems like a genuinely nice guy. And that's the reason why I love him. But when I see him play, Jimmy, oh, God. <laughs> it's rough. It, it, it's it's all over for David Luiz at, at any top-level club. I, I, I think it's quite clearly done. I just don't even want to talk about this game because it's it's so far down repressed in my memory <laughs> that um, I don't even know what to say. There was really nothing good that came of it. Arsenal played decent for the first 45. They fended off chances thanks to Bern Leno. Um, but, but aside from that, there was nothing else. Yeah, they I mean, didn't really create anything all game. No, um, no one played well. Uh, at the, I think one player played well. I thought Nketiah played well. He did the most with the chance he had. He was the only one who seemed to, you know, he was able to hold up, play a bit, cause a couple problems. Um, I, I I actually thought Aubameyang was horrible in this game. Well, he, he missed a chance. I think he gave such little effort to... City or a team, you, you, you need to press their back line. You need to cut out passing lanes. And he just he just wasn't doing it. He was giving Kyle Walker so much room to do whatever he had to do. 
I feel so bad for Aubameyang, especially when we play teams like City. Because there were probably two or three clear-cut times where I, I think it was either Tierney or Ceballos or Guendouzi. They had the chance to just send him down in the corner and completely ignored him. We saw that a few times. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And, I mean, how many times can you make a run like that and not get the ball and then continue on pressing uh dropping back on defense every time you're a left forward and natural striker and Aubameyang is doing so much defensive work I, I don't know if it's fair to say that he had a, a bad game because like what can you do when your team doesn't get the ball if you're in that position yeah. I, I just thought he this defensively this game he wasn't that good either which I know is a weird well. thing to criticize <laughs> forward for but I just think when you play City how your forwards play defensively is so important yeah um which is why you know Teams like Liverpool cause so much problem for City because of the work rate that their forwards give. Mm-hmm. So I think in this game it, it affects it a bit. Um, but yeah, I get your point. But I did think it, I thought Eddie Nketia looked pretty good in this game. I I, I thought he was a one Arsenal player. I thought kind of came well in Burn Leno. Yeah. Which, I, I mean, if we're gonna stay on Arsenal, if we're gonna transition to the other game, uh, the last thing on this game I'd say is Foden did score in this game as well. But yeah. that was after my I'd already walked away. Uh, I think the the tale before we move on from the city game, the tale of this game is that Arsenal, um, for this first time of this week, we saw that they have zero midfield presence. The team has nothing in midfield. While they have nothing at center back, we all know that they can't defend. What they have in midfield is potentially worse. Mm-hmm. Jimmy, we have Mustafi, David Luiz, Pablo Marie, Rob Holding. Those are our center backs right now, mm-hmm. but our midfield is somehow worse. Yeah, I think that's fair. I think I generally don't see any creative presence in the midfield for Arsenal, and uh, I feel I, I, maybe that's harsh, but it's I, not. I just don't see it. Let's. I mean, let's go through the midfield. Is that Arsenal have Mesut Ozil can't play away from home. Can't play in general. Didn't make the bench in this game. Nope. Uh, didn't even play this week against Brighton on the weekend. Um, he, he can't play anymore. Mezzarozo can't play for Arsenal anymore. And he's going to have to because we're so bad that we bring players in and out of the team. We freeze them out for a few games and then we have no other choice but to bring them back. So Mezzarozo, while he is a creative option, he is not someone who can change a game anymore, unfortunately, especially against a team like City. Um, we have Danny Ceballos, who, to be fair, came in unexpectedly for Granit Xhaka and played okay. Mm-hmm. Danny Ceballos, though, he is so slow. <laughs> I don't, like... Did you Do you notice this when you watch Danny Ceballos play? Just He looks like he has cinder blocks on his feet when he moves. <laughs> He's not the quickest. He's definitely not the quickest. He's got some decent moves too. He's good on the ball, but yeah, he's not. He's not quick. In, in no way is he quick. Danny Ceballos, I think, will be done at Arsenal after his loan spell this season. I don't. I don't think they should uh, go for him. It doesn't seem like they're going to go to sign him. He will never play a minute for Real Madrid. Am I wrong <laughs> in saying that? Uh, I would be hard pressed to believe that he's Real Madrid quality right now. He's not Arsenal quality. <laughs> I mean, he's just Danny Ceballos, not good enough. Matteo Guendouzi, 
what what can we say about Matteo Guendouzi? He tries very hard. That's the only thing I can say about Matteo Guendouzi lately. And he's a dickhead. He is. Um, <laughs> he has. I, I I know you like him, and I know a lot of Arsenal fans like him, and I think he's a decent player, but he is um he's a little shithead on the field. He really is. We don't have many of those, so that's why we like him. You need someone like that. And for some reason, it's our 20-year-old midfielder, Matteo Guendouzi, who is the only one on the team who's willing to, I don't know, practice the dark arts a little bit. It's kind of disappointing. Um, and we'll we'll get to more Matteo Guendouzi in the Brighton game, but he's not, he's not a midfielder who can change a game. I, I don't even know what Matteo Guendouzi is really good at anymore. I mean, he was so solid when he first started coming into the team. I thought Matteo Guendouzi was going to be a world-class talent. And like I said, he's still super young, so we could see that. But, I mean, lately we've seen nothing really special from him. We've just seen kind of lackluster performances where he doesn't do much, um, kind of misplaces passes and just not really getting involved. And it's just disappointing. Uh, and then for for midfielders who are healthy, we don't have Granit Xhaka anymore, who I think is Arsenal's best midfielder somehow. Somehow Granit Xhaka <laughs> is our best midfielder. Um, injured Joe after the season. And what did you say? Joe, and then there's Joe Willick, who... He, I know he's a young player, so I don't want to be harsh on him. But I've seen Joe Willick play multiple, multiple games now for Arsenal. I don't know one thing he does that is good. <laughs> I, I'm not. I, I'm not really trying to be harsh because I think it's hard on young players when you criticize them. But I've never seen like he he's irrelevant in the game. Every game I've ever seen him play. I don't even know how to describe Joe Willock. Like I'm trying to find someone to compare him to, but he's he's an odd player because I've seen times where he plays really well. He's he's got a big body. He wins the ball. He's kind of quick. He can shoot. But a lot of the times, like you said, I feel like he's not really involved. He's almost irrelevant in a position where you can't be irrelevant in the center yeah. of midfield. And then there's, um, finally, I think, is, is Lucas Torreya, who is the one Arsenal midfielder who I rate pretty highly. And he's and in. <laughs> he, he's hurt. He doesn't want to play for the team. He's going to AC Milan. No one knows the deal with this guy. Yeah. So the midfield options are, are abysmal. And um, that probably helps to make our defense look a lot worse than they actually are. I mean, David Luiz, there's no helping him. He's as bad as he <laughs> he, He's just terrible. But. Yeah, and Mustafi can be at times too, but I just don't even know what to say about this team. <laughs> yeah, I mean, let, let's run it into the next game then. Let's move on to the Brighton game. Brighton 2, Arsenal 1. A game of highs and lows, um, and <laughs> just uh, first, let's just say, Burn Leno, get well soon, you poor bastard. Jimmy, I haven't been this upset by an injury in uh, ever, ever. I've never been this upset about a player getting hurt. Um, I was so upset when I saw this happen. I mean, when you see any player go down with an injury like that where they're screaming in pain, it's upsetting. But when it's undoubtedly the best player on your team, um, one of the leaders of your team, 
I mean, it, it's just extra. And to see him go down in such a ridiculous fashion, I mean, literally like a freak accident type thing. Mm-hmm. It, it was just so upsetting. And talk about adding salt to the wound that is just being an Arsenal fan. We, we already have so many injuries. Uh, since this restart has happened, we have three now. Uh, and they're all season-ending injuries. So, Burn Leno, get well soon. It, the rumor is that he's going to be out for nine months to a year. Wow. So, yeah. that's, that's brutal. It's just, it's really unfortunate. Um, the way it happened, we kind of need to talk about a bit. Neil Mape, um leans into Leno, and which, you know, kind of leads to him hyperextending and getting the injury. At the same time, this is not really any different than you see on almost any time a goalkeeper goes to the ball. Somebody kind of leans into him a bit. Um, so I have kind of mixed feelings. It's completely unnecessary for Malpe, but I don't think it was necessarily done with malicious intent. Yeah. I, I, I mean, I, I hope that no one goes into any challenge hoping that they hurt someone. Uh, and I definitely don't think that... Mape did that intentionally. Um, he Burn Leno was off his feet, and when you hit someone when they're off their feet, even if you nudge them, there is a much greater risk for something to go wrong. And um, Burn Leno, probably nine times out of ten, is perfectly fine after that little challenge. But on this occasion, he wasn't. Um, I don't think it's malicious from Mape. People are saying that he should have got a red card. I don't believe that. No, I don't agree with that. Um, uh, however, it, it was unnecessary. I think he knows exactly what he's doing when he's doing that. Because you see, after he knocks Leno down and Leno's out of the box with the ball, the first thing he's doing is pointing to where Leno is, trying to get a mm-hmm. free kick. So mm-hmm. he did that hoping to push him out of the box. Mm-hmm. Yep. And um, it's just a cheap little play. And then... On top of it, you have his post-game comments, which we'll get to. Just a lot of moppy that this day just rubbed me the wrong way. Um, and I, I mean, obviously, I'm not happy with what happened, but he he just kept going. And we'll get to that in a second. But let's talk about what happened in this game. I mean, first half, not a whole lot. Bakayo Saka rang the post early on. Um, Arsenal played okay. For the first half, mm-hmm. there's no real threat to their goal, I would say. They didn't have many shots, uh, didn't create much. I mean, kind of kind of disappointing, I guess, the first half. Because Arsenal were trying to isolate Pepe against, I think, Dan Byrne, mm-hmm. uh, Big Bird. And, <laughs> I mean, just hacking away at Pepe is an understatement. This is what we see every single game that I watch for Arsenal is Pepe just gets completely hacked and the refs don't do a thing. So, a little bit upset over there. Um, But first half, not much to speak of. Second half, though, uh, we had a Pepe goal in the 68th after a kind of a a weird game from him. We started trying to isolate and went away from that. And then he he scored a ridiculously beautiful goal from the outside of the box. Surprised himself. His reaction was, like, delayed. Like, I think he was surprised he hit it that well. Yeah, I mean, that's that's what we want to see from him, though. We we need to get him in those, like, Riyad Mahrez positions where you isolate him and, and you give him a chance to cut in and use his left. Mm-hmm. 
that's mm-hmm. that's where he's going to thrive. So hopefully we can get him to that point where we can use him the way he wants to be used. Um, but, you know, the goal, the lead, it was all short-lived because seven minutes later, Lewis Dunk scores off a terrible corner uh, just to scramble in the box. An absolute mess. Yeah. I mean, the, the exact goal that you'd expect Arsenal to give up, right? Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, after that, Arsenal had a few chances. Brighton had a few chances. But one thing that I want to say is that Basuma had, I think, seven fouls it was. Or eight. <laughs> and no card. No booking. No booking. How is that, Jimmy? How do you repeatedly foul yeah. players and you don't get a booking? I'm not sure I understand. Or indeed in your way. Yeah, and this is, um, I saw a stat that earlier in the year when we played Palace, uh, I remember complaining about this one too, that Jordan Ayew fouled, I think, six or seven times against Arsenal, didn't pick up a card. I think the only two times that has happened in the Premier League where someone has fouled that much, Jordan Ayew and Basuma, and not received a card, <laughs> a bolt against Arsenal. I, how, how is this happening? Why is this happening? Did the refs not know how to officiate? <laughs> yeah, it's a, it's a tough break. I, I I did notice that that it seemed like he was getting away with quite a lot of physical play, but physical play, murder. <laughs> well, yeah, it must be nice. Uh, that's true, but I do think we need to get to how the game ended, Michael. As much as you're trying to avoid it, which I see what you're trying to do. Uh, pass. Don't your old to. your old friend Neil, yeah, shows I mean, up it just again. Had to be. It had to be him. It was. It, it's like I, it, you couldn't have wrote it better. If you wanted something to be a controversial game, you have that guy come through and what the ninety the fourth minute of beyond the fourth minute of stoppage time. Yep. Just only only because uh, Basuma was fouling so often. And uh, I think he even <laughs> sat down in stoppage time to take a break from his fouling. And that's why the, the clock ran over the added four minutes. Uh, Brighton, cred to them, put together a very nice play. Mape with a great finish. Yeah. And uh, 2-1, they come back, of course, complete the comeback over Arsenal. Business as usual. Uh, Brighton, that's their first one of the season, if I'm not mistaken, right? Um, that was what? Their first win of the season, I believe, Jimmy. First win of the season? I think so. Oh, wait, 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 wait. No, what are no, no, you no. talking about? First win of 2020. First win of 2020. Yeah. I'm sorry. I was like, what are you talking about? They would be long relegated if so. Yeah, no, I'm sorry. That was their first win of 2020. I misspoke. <laughs> um, but, but good God. Why, Jimmy? Why do, I, why do I support this horrible, horrible team? Why do they lose every single game? I mean, I just, I can't even put into words the pain, the anger that Arsenal have caused me this past week alone. Uh, I don't think I was kidding at the beginning of this episode when I said quarantine was the happiest I've been because I haven't had to watch this fucking team. (laughs) Uh, I, I think, like we said, when Arteta was originally hired, this was going to be the... This is the the clearing out. This is the reviewing what's there. I I believe Arsenal need a full overhaul 
I think there's very few players that they can continue to really build around on this team. Mm-hmm. My, my biggest concern for you would be that one of those players that they should be building around <laughs> doesn't seem to want to sign a contract and seems to want a Jaden Sancho his way out. I sure hope not. <laughs> and I think you know I exactly sure. who I'm talking about. No, it can't be. If Sacco leaves, Jimmy, <laughs> I might go on strike from being an Arsenal fan. <laughs> hey, fuck this up. I don't know what I'll do. But but I don't know if I can support them any longer. If they seriously mess up the Bukayo Saka situation more than they already have, uh, it's going to be tough to continue to support this absolute garbage team. Um, but just infuriating, Arteta was super upset after the game, said we did it to ourselves. Completely true. Um, but like we said, Mopey had his post-game conference uh, basically after he got choked out by Guendouzi, by the way. Um <laughs> Uh, and choked out as the stretch of a lifetime because yeah. Guendouzi literally just touched his neck and Moppy being the complete bitch that he is just uh, fell to the ground in pain, uh, just being touched um, in classic soccer player fashion. But uh, after the game, he was not short on words, said that the Arsenal players need to learn humility. We got what we deserved. And my message to Neil Moppe, no one to shut your mouth. You broke a man's leg. You ended his career for a year, potentially in the prime of his career. You got your win. You scored your goal. Now fuck off. <laughs> and I think that's where we can leave it. Yeah. Well um, said. And and Brighton, I'm out on Brighton. They don't I'm play the king. Out. They don't show respect. No. Um, done. Done, done with them. Don't care about them. Hope they go down. Uh, <laughs> me and my homies hate Brighton. Let's move on. All right, uh, let's do some quick hits um, through some of the games that don't really have much talking points. Uh, and we have one talking point. In the first game back, <laughs> the nil-nil draw, the Aston Villa-Sheffield United draw, that should not have been a draw. Uh, Mike, what do you have to say about this one? Can you set it up? Can you explain <laughs> what the hell happened? Uh, well, what happened was Sheffield United scored a goal. And the ball obviously went into the back of the net. Uh, I guess for some reason, the cameras of the goal line technology didn't register that the ball was in the back of the net because the goalkeeper and a defender for Villa were blocking the cameras. Uh, So the goalie has the ball in the back of the net and walks it out. And the game continues. No goal. The referee didn't get a buzz on his watch. Goes to VAR. Anyone with two eyes, anyone with one eye, anyone legally blind, able to see that the ball is in the back of the net by a mile. VAR does not overturn it. In classic VAR fashion, they continue to make the wrong decision. And this is the weird thing. So the er the error is with uh, the goal line technology. But at the same time, we're going to talk VAR briefly and say, (laughs) VAR, you are here for clear and obvious errors. That is what you exist for. Why do you not correct something like this, which is a clear and obvious error, yet you correct a very, very weak penalty in the city uh, Burnley game? I mean, it just always is doing the wrong thing. Yeah, I mean, they, they called back Aubameyang's goal for being a toenail offsides against Brighton, mm-hmm. uh, but they don't, they're not able to see that 
a ball is completely in the back of the net when the rest of the world can see it, when every player on the field saw it. Um, it's just a, a testament to how terrible this system of VAR is. Stinks. And Sheffield, Sheffield get robbed. Uh, that's the story of this game. Both yep. teams didn't play really well at all, I don't think. And Sheffield, they scored a goal, and they were not given that goal. Yep. And, and, and sticking with Sheffield, Sheffield, a rough week. After getting a draw in this game where they should have won, they then get beat down by Newcastle. Um, Newcastle. Uh, so first of all, Newcastle had a chance to take the lead in this game, if it were not for the fact that Joliton, Jolitone, Jolinton, whatever you want to call him, is just very bad. He literally did the thing that 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 I've done a million times in my life, <laughs> which is where you you kick your plant foot. Yeah. He kicked his plant foot instead of the ball. And, and just just a pure miss hit. I, I, I've never seen anything like it in a, in a game of this level. It was... It was not he, great. He, he, he later went on to score, so we have to give him some credit. And drew a red card for John Egan. Yes, he did. He drew the red card, which changed the game. Yeah. Uh, which led to the St. Maximin goal, then a Matt Ritchie goal, and then Jolinton himself scored. Yeah. But... Um, this guy, uh, I don't uh, just baffling, baffling the amount of money that was spent on him. Well, listen, we gave Joe Linton the bump. We said that he sucked. I said that if I was as bad as my job as Joe Linton is at his, I would be fired. Sure enough, goes on to draw a red card that changes the game, goes on to score the goal uh, in the 78th minute. But uh, what I want to take away from this game, aside from Joe Linton, is Matt Ritchie scored a screamer. Mm-hmm. Uh, Played very well this game. And St. Maximin, what a player he is. I know the goal he scored wasn't particularly impressive, but whenever I watch him play, just so much fun. Mm-hmm. Love to watch this guy. So much personality, so much flair. Real character. Yes. <laughs> and I, I love to watch him. And I'm shifting officially today. My fandom for Brighton is being shifted to Newcastle. <laughs> Officially. <laughs> Officially. Brighton is dead to me. Glenn Murray is still my king. But I'm shifting that love that I had for Brighton over to Newcastle. Interesting. And I want to say, Sheffield, we were concerned about the effect that not having the crowd and that energy in the stadium would have on them. Looks like we may not have been wrong. Yeah. I, I think they're probably still upset about that first game where they were robbed three points uh, that would have put them, I think, a point behind Chelsea uh, for the fourth place spot. And then in this game, they just, they did not play well at all. So I have to say that that's a great transition. So we, we've kind of covered the teams that have played twice. Aston Villa is the only one we haven't. You bring up Chelsea and Chelsea is a team that Villa played. And in pretty much, if, for anyone who watched the game, were dominated by Chelsea. Uh, but Villa took the lead in the 43rd minute. And then the game changed by Captain America himself. <laughs> Christian Pulisic gets his goal. Uh, very excited to see him back in the lineup. Does come off the bench. Um, comes in, though. Scores. Has a good game pretty much after that. Creates some other chances. Your man, Olivier Giroud, scores uh-huh. as a winner for Chelsea in the 62nd. And Chelsea, you know, 
like you said, every day Chelsea become a little, little more scary by the day. Jimmy, they're going to be a problem for a long time coming. And I, I do want to say, my man, one of my favorite players, was back after seeing. We saw him get injured oh. playing against the Revs in that stupid, <laughs> weird friendly last year. Ruben lost his cheek. Back on the field. Um, very happy for him. He is a. He's just a unique player. I, I've been a fan of his for a long time, so I'm really happy to see him back. Yeah, but but Chelsea continue to win. Um, mm-hmm. I mean, the table is so odd this year that Chelsea really haven't had a good year for their standards. I mean, I wonder where 53 points at or 51 points at this stage of the year would normally be, uh, because I feel like it's not top four. But with the way the table is this year. Uh, Chelsea have been able to lose games and then grind out some and, and still be in that top four spot, in which I think they'll probably retain or even jump up to third over Leicester. But I don't know. What do, where do you think Chelsea are going to finish? I think they will finish in the top four. I think they're actually going to finish third. Yeah, I think you're right. I agree with you. Yeah. Um, and and I know we got a lot to, to go here, so I'm going to try to move these through these quick. Um. Everton, Liverpool, Merseyside Derby, nil-nil. Really not much in this game at all. Um, yeah, it was it was pretty dull. Um, I, I found the, the one thing that uh, my two biggest takeaways were, while Liverpool fans really want to pretend that Naby Kate is amazing, uh, <laughs> he, he dribbles past one person and Twitter explodes. Um, I like Naby Kate. I, I thought that was funny. And then Joe Gomez has the... The I had said the worst beard, and then somebody sent me a picture of Andy Carroll's beard. <laughs> but the the second worst beard I've ever seen. God, is it ugly! Please, yeah. someone shave it, please. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but Liverpool gets a point on their path to uh, securing the league, so gets closer. Everton gets a point. Not really much there. Um, Crystal Palace two nil over Bournemouth. Yep. Milivojevic, uh, Jordan Ayew score. Did you see that Milivojevic goal, Jimmy? I, I did not. I did. This is the one game I don't think I actually saw anything from it. It was a free kick from probably like 26, 28 yards out. Top bins. The man like, is a master of the set piece. Whether it be a penalty, is. a free kick, he is a true master. Don't think he's much of a player outside of that. But when it comes to a set piece, he is the pure specialist. And then uh, the goal that IU scored was a great one, too. I forget who crossed the ball into him, but a, a great play made by Crystal Palace. And um, Jimmy, Crystal Palace move above Arsenal in ninth place. Can you believe it? <laughs> yeah. And Jordan IU keeps scoring. we got to give him credit. We kind of bashed him at the beginning of the year, and he's he's done his thing. Um, Southampton, 3-0 over Norwich. Uh, poor Norwich, man. I watched a good amount of this game. Uh, I, at halftime, I thought Norwich were playing a little bit better. Uh, put some money on them. Completely doomed them. Danny Yanks <laughs> with a, a very nice goal in the 49th. Stuart Armstrong in the 54th. Nathan Redmond. Uh, just one note about Nathan Redmond's goal. He literally just, all he did, one-on-one with the defender, moved slightly to the left, and it was like a devastating blow for the Norwich <laughs> defender. I don't know who it was, but it was like he, he never expected to have to move laterally. <laughs> like Derek Zoolander, he could turn left. Yeah. <laughs> the easiest goal Nathan Redmond could ever score. Um, Norwich are so dead, it's not even funny. Um, 
teams need to start breaking out their checkbook for Max Aaron's and Todd Cantwell. <laughs> um, uh, speaking of a team that may be dead, West Ham nil, Wolves two. Oh boy, West Ham is getting real. The relegation <laughs> battle is getting real. Um, Adama Traore, God, do is he the replacement for Leroy Sané of my dreams? Came on. Used his pace for a perfect cross for the Raul Jimenez goal. Then used his skill to create space, which allowed Pedro Neto to hit a just tasty, tasty a rocket. An absolute missile off the volley. Oh, my goodness. Um, one, of, one of the best goals we've seen this season. Um, but a note on Wolves, Jimmy. Just like Chelsea, Wolves get scarier and scarier every single game they play. Mm-hmm. and they may have one of the most complete teams in the Premier League outside of Liverpool and Manchester City, I think. Yeah, I, I would agree with that. I really think they have a shot to contend for the Champions League spot, especially if, you know, that whole stupid ban thing happens and fifth place gets to go in. I don't, I don't think that's going to happen at this <laughs> point. Do I, <laughs> but <laughs> hope not. Yeah. Uh, but Wolves, yeah, Wolves are awesome. West Ham are in big trouble. West Ham are terrible. Wolves are a Champions League team, though. I, I think next year I'm going to have to pick them to be in the top four because they're just – I love watching them play. And the players I, that they have yeah. – I agree. I still stand by, too, that they really could win the – the Europa League is going to do a similar thing to the Champions League. I think that benefits Wolves even more. So I think they are real – I think they will find a way into the Champions League next year. I hope they do. Yeah. Um. And then another team in the relegation battle, Watford won, Leicester City won. This is the game of the <laughs> amazing goals. <laughs> Nothing to speak of until stoppage time. Yes. And then Chelsea's Ben Chilwell hits, <laughs> a, <laughs> hits a missile in the top right corner from the left-hand side of the box off the crossbar and in. What a goal, Ben Chilwell. But little did Ben Chilwell know, he wouldn't score the best goal of the game. Craigie. Not even in the 90th minute. <laughs> Craigie Dawson with the bike. His first Premier League goal, Craig Dawson hits a bicycle kick uh, from like five yards out and yep. ties it up for Watford. Uh, Watford, they're not going anywhere, Jimmy. That's bold. They're only safe by one point right now. I mean, they have turned it around considering where their season started yeah. um, to being the team, the only team to have defeated Liverpool in the league so far, uh, getting this this important, crucial point against a very tough Leicester City team. I, I tend to agree with you. I don't think they're going down. No, and I think they play Norwich, one of their games. I think they play Southampton. So they have games that they're probably going to get at least one point off of uh in the near future so i i would bet on them to be safe um and then i think the last game we had if yes. i'm not mistaken right is yep, spurs one. united mm-hmm. and uh this one i don't know if i'll say it was a great game i'll say it was a good game it was a 1-1 draw uh jose's return uh against united and we had a 27th-minute goal from Bergwijn. And Ooh. that was uh, almost a little bit like the Nathan Redmond goal that mm-hmm. I was describing earlier, 
where Bergwijn stepped to his left and Harry Maguire, the 80 million pound defender, had no idea what to do. <laughs> but Harry Maguire, not to be outdone from his terrible play, the shot goes basically directly at world-class keeper David De Gea, who lets it bounce off his hands and go right in. Yep. I, I do like Bergwijn, though. Oh, I, I like I've him a lot. I've been impressed with him. I've been really impressed with him. Uh, the idea of a healthy Bergwijn son and Kane front three next season would be pretty exciting for Spurs. Yeah, I agree. A lot of other issues they need to work out, though. <laughs> uh, like the fact that Serge Aurier still plays for this team. Serge Aurier is, I don't know how to describe him. Because when you watch as an outsider, sometimes he makes run runs, he takes shots, he, he's in the box. I don't know if he's much of a defender, but as an attacker, he's a decent option. He He's like, he he's similar to Cancelo in a sense that you, you see why he ends up on good teams. Yeah. It makes so, so much sense. And then you watch him try to defend and you're just baffled that it could possibly be that bad. <laughs> that, that that's how I feel with Sergio Aurier at times um, and, and so we had the soft penalty Bruno Fernandez does what he does and puts it away um, but my big takeaway from this game and I know people are somewhat annoyed with it but I do think it is a fair point Paul Pogba was good Paul he Pogba. came on and he was good he was excellent Jimmy he drew the penalty he was pinging passes across the field in Paul Pogba fashion and um, if I'm a United fan, if Paul Pogba wants to play, that boy can play. So I, I'm very, very scared of the prospect of a Bruno Fernandez Paul Pogba midfield if he is to stay, because that is a midfield um, that I think is is maybe the second best in the league behind Manchester City. Yeah, yeah, it's gonna be uh, interesting. It's gonna be interesting. Bruno Fernandez is stunningly good. Yeah, he's he's a he's an interesting player. He's a very interesting player. He just pulls out. He pulls, and I think when we did like when we picked, remember the drafted teams, I picked him, and yeah. I'm like, he can just create something out of nothing, just randomly, like literally nothing at all is there, and then he's taking this like 25 yard shot that just finds its way in. I have been so impressed with him every time I watch him play. He reminds me, I don't know if this is a weird comparison, but a little bit of like a Bernardo Silva, if Bernardo Silva was a center attacking midfielder. Like yeah, he's so he, shifty. He's shifty. Yeah. Yeah. He, he's, but with a different body. Oh, yeah, for sure. That, I mean, Bernardo Silva's a little tiny guy uh, and has to rely on like, like in and out cuts where Fernandez has that big body. And can kind of be a little more physical with it. Yeah. But, um, but uh, exciting for Portugal to have both of them. Yeah, and exciting for uh, Manchester United because I think, unlike Arsenal, they're they're starting to find a little bit of a rhythm with the team that they have. They have pieces in the midfield and defense up front. Um, United are a team that's probably three or four very good players away from being back to what they could true top four contenders you know and, and i guess playing into the pro united narrative i i praise pogba and then i will say again once again i was really impressed with mason greenwood yeah i i, I, I like what i out. see from him. I, I i just like what i see from him on the ball he he's a fearless player 
Yeah. I mean, he's and no he's Bakayo still... Saka. He's no <laughs> Bakayo Saka, though. But, yeah, he is, uh, he is a special player. And they're, they're constructing a little team over there at Manchester United, as much as I hate to say it. Yeah. But um, they're, they're going to be one to watch out for. It's funny to say that Manchester United is a team to watch out for. <laughs> uh, that's where we are. Yeah, it's 2020. It's a wild world. Yeah. Uh, but anyways, Jimmy, that was it for the Premier League games. Mm-hmm. And we do have a few Twitter questions. All right, let's so, run through them quickly. Yes. Here, so, we've, we're getting a little long in the tooth. I know. That's true. We'll have to fly through the predictions, too. So the first one comes from at, oh boy, S. <laughs> Sartain Intellectual, comma, PhD. And she Ooh, said, Doctor. Yeah, she's a doctor. We got learning doctors listening to this podcast. Um, she said, uh, not a question from her, but a friend of hers who is not on Twitter. And the question is just, why is David Luiz? Why what do you just, think about that? Why like, is why? David Luiz? That is, first of all, that is the type of question I would expect the doctor to ask. <laughs> only someone so intelligent could even try to understand David Luiz. And I'm going to write a thesis on that. Yeah. I, I generally think you could write a thesis on David Luiz. I think you could. He is an enigma. He is a once-in-a-generation type player. You you don't know what he is. You don't know whether you're going to get greatness or terror from him. Mm. He has managed to make a career where he has won a great deal. One of the more uh, decorated center backs that we've yeah. seen in our generation. Yeah. And he's bounced around to some great teams. What is David Luiz? David Luiz is David Luiz. David Luiz is washed at this point. <laughs> oh, oh, he went That's there. what he is now. Why <laughs> is David Luiz? Why is he at Arsenal? I couldn't answer that question. Maybe because we're so damn desperate. Because we have Brazilians in our boardroom who have ties with every Brazilian. Gabriel Martinelli, uh, David Luiz. We just bring them all in at this point. And uh, we pay too much money for them. So that's why David Luiz is at Arsenal. But hopefully not for much longer. And we won't have to ponder that question anymore. Until he ends up somewhere like, I don't know. Probably go to Tottenham next. (laughs) He's just making his way around London. West Ham would work too. (laughs) Yeah. Um, And then we got a question from our friend Stan. He said, why did Arteta start Pablo Marie at City? That's what started this mess. Oh, um, that's harsh, Stan. Yeah, I don't, I don't know if that was right because I, I thought Pablo Marie needed a start. Well, uh, I mean, look at your, your option was you start David <laughs> Luiz. It could have ended the game a lot sooner, I guess. Yeah, yeah, that's right. We could have just ended it instantly instead of having to wait till the forty fifth. Um, yeah, I think because we had no other options, and he said, "Can you, can y'all sell a Saka already?" <laughs> this guy. Hey, he's not wrong. I mean, I I saw one of the city accounts posted a a picture of soccer and said, can play left wing, left back. Yeah, everyone wants him. Everybody wants That's what I'm saying. You need to watch out. You're (laughs) going to get Jaden Sancho, and it's not a good feeling. (laughs) Oh, God. Uh, And then Gavin said, results permitting, is Jimmy worried about Liverpool mathematically winning the title at City on July 2nd? Hmm, Gavin, you you just you just gotta always twist that knife just a little <laughs> bit. Um, I'm not worried. Here's the thing: Liverpool won the league a long time ago. Whether they get the tr- actually win it at City, at Brighton, at Crystal Palace, at 
I don't know, at the ice cream shop. It doesn't matter to me. They won the league a long time ago. I've accepted that. Um, they were the best team in the league this year. They deserve their trophy. But I do want to throw one thing out there. Last year, they won the Champions League. And everyone told me that was more important than the domestic treble. So if, and this isn't a big if, if City find a way to win the Champions League, to add to their League Cup they already have, and potential FA Cup, I don't want to hear the Liverpool fans tell me that the league was the most important thing. <laughs> so I just want to throw that out there now. I want to say it now before we're even at that point. But um, Liverpool were great. They deserved the league. I don't care where they win it. Um, but I would be really happy if they were going to win it, if they beat City and then City beat them and made them have to delay a week. That would bring me a little bit of joy. Yeah. Yeah. Like you said, it doesn't matter where they win it. But it would be funny to see them win it at City. It'd be a little bit of poetic justice. Uh, and then our final question is from our friend Justin Deslaris, and he said, why do I keep putting myself through this suffering? I ask myself that every day. Every day. And, oh, speaking of potential suffering, that could be really funny. Uh, the Arsenal uh, Rhode Island group, the mm-hmm. RI Gunners, apparently were selected at a random draw to represent uh Arsenal on the Premier League fan cam. So <laughs> there is there is a decent chance that I could be selected for one of the next four Arsenal games uh, as someone who's going to be on the fan cam. So I will keep everyone posted on Twitter. But Jimmy, if I am on this fan cam and my face is on the Arsenal board after... Lacazette misses a chance or something like that. You're gonna see me just turn into a complete animal. Yeah, I don't think I don't think anybody's ready for that. That actually happens. I I I am worried. I'm generally concerned. I'm gonna kill myself. <laughs> Live on TV. Your face smashing into the camera as they <laughs> as they miss a wide open goal. Oh God. When we lose against Southampton, that's what I'm preparing for. I'm preparing to go on against Southampton and uh, have us lose that game live. <laughs> but a truly interesting idea is having uh, just a camera on me while I watch Arsenal games. I, I do. We could tra- make a documentary. The pain, <laughs> the agony. We missed a good one this week, though. Yeah. That, that was a real gem that we like go by. That's true. But anyways, Jimmy, let's quickly hit our predictions because we're going a little bit over on time here. So, I'll get us started, and we start tomorrow. We have Leicester City versus uh, the shittiest team in the world, Brighton. 2-1 Leicester City. Ooh. 3-0 Leicester City. Me and my homies hate Brighton. Uh, Tomorrow, we also have Spurs and West Ham at 315. 3-1 Tottenham. (sighs) Yeah, I, I don't know. 1-1 1-1 draw. I think West Ham get a point from them. Spurs are just not impressive. I don't me. think you know how bad West Ham are, but we'll uh, continue. <laughs> fair. Uh, on Wednesday, we have Norwich at home versus Everton. I am going to go 1-0 Everton. I'm going to say 3-1 Everton. Norwich have just nothing in them. Uh, Wolves at home versus Bournemouth. 3-2 Wolves. 4-1 Wolves. I think they're going to beat them down a little bit. Bournemouth, I think, are going to be one to go down this year, unfortunately. Uh, and then we have my favorite team, Newcastle, at home versus Villa. 1-1 one, one draw. 
Yeah, I think that's a fair score. I'll, I'll stick with 1-1. One, one. Then we have the Battle of the Uniteds. Manchester United versus Sheffield United. Oh, the Dean Henderson derby. Uh, uh, I am going to go... Oh, I'm gonna I'm gonna go I'm gonna do with you. I'm gonna predict a nil-nil. Ooh, close to what I'm gonna predict, <laughs> but another one-one draw. I don't think we get a victor here. Uh, and then we have Liverpool at home versus Palace. Two-nil Liverpool. One-nil Crystal Palace. Wow, he delays it longer. I delay it a little bit longer. Thursday we have Southampton at home versus Arsenal. I'm gonna actually give Arsenal a win here. I am going to go 2-1 Arsenal. I don't know what to say. Genuinely don't know what to say. I'm stumped. 7-0 Southampton. (laughs) Uh, Burnley at home versus Watford. 2-0 Watford. Burnley are bad. They're they're dealing with a lot of injuries, but they're really bad, and I also want them to lose now. (laughs) 2-0 Watford. Uh, Did you say 2-0? Yep. All right, I'll stick with you. Ooh, and then we have a really good game on Thursday afternoon. Uh, We have Chelsea versus City. I'm going to go 3-2 Manchester City. I'm going to say 2-1 City. I think they'll pull out a victory. They're just too too talented. And then we have Saturday. We have Villa at home versus Wolves. 3-0 to the Wolves. As much as I want to pick Wolves here, I think Villa need a result. I'll say 1-1, a draw. And then Sunday, we have Watford versus Southampton. This is my 1-1 draw. Mm. One nothing Watford. I think Watford are, are gonna are gonna steady the ship. Well, not steady the ship, just climb up the ladder of the Premier League. Uh, Is that the, where we're ending it? Or are we gonna throw the Monday in completely? We gotta do week? Monday Tuesday, right? Okay, all right. And then we'll do Palace at home versus Burnley. I again, Burnley are bad. Two 0 Palace. I'll stick with you there. And then the last game we'll cover is that shit team Brighton. Versus Manchester United. I'm going to go a 3-1 Manchester United victory. 4-0 Manchester United. Brighton, <laughs> Bank, play Glen Murray, <laughs> or don't play at all. Uh, <laughs> all right, Jimmy. Uh, we got to get out of here. So yeah. why don't you hit him with the play? That was tiring. I know. Uh, long, long Premier League return, but please follow us on Twitter and Instagram at Soccer Mostly. We try to be very interactive. I say we, mainly Michael, but we try to. Um, and you could also email us, mostlysoccershow at gmail.com. Give us a nice return five-star review for all the goals that City put on those evil racist Burnley people today. <laughs> um, and uh, that's all I got. All right. We will see you next week. Bye-bye.